0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, when I was growing up, the members of my family we would often give up something during the season of Lent, something that we would regularly enjoy, something that would be a real sacrifice for us. And for me, usually this something was my all-time favorite vice. Soda. Well, I grew up in Minnesota, so I didn't give up soda. What I gave up was pop, gave up pop. As someone who loves the sweet taste of soda pop, it was genuinely hard for me to go the whole season without it. But I knew that Easter was coming, and when it finally came, and I woke up usually very early because my family liked the sunrise service. I would jump out, out of bed and I would go and I would find myself some soda, usually Mountain Dew, <laughs> and I'd pour myself a glass and then ah, heaven. And I tell you, that first long-awaited sip of soda was the best sip I had all year. Let me tell you, there is nothing like Mountain Dew at 5.30 a.m. on an Easter Sunday. It's great. Now I know you might be thinking that all this is just an excuse for me to drink Mountain Dew all morning in worship. And you might be partially right because I gotta stay awake somehow for all these services. But there is a connection to be made. In our first reading today, our Old Testament reading, God appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush and he makes Moses a promise. A promise that he's going to take his people, the children of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt and he's going to bring them to a good land, a land promised to their ancestor Abraham, a land flowing with milk and honey. This description of a land flowing with milk and honey is one that is used 15 times in the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible. In these books, 15 times we hear of this mystical land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Perhaps you've wondered what that phrase is all about. That phrase is used to indicate that the land that the people would be going to would be a land of abundance, a land of fertility, a land of sweetness, a land that would have everything they could possibly need and more. That's what that phrase was all about. The children of Israel would be going from Egypt, a place described as a furnace for its heat and torture, to Canaan, the Promised Land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This future reality was as certain and beautiful as my Easter Sunday sip of soda. All they had to do was wait. But therein lies the proverbial rum. The people could not wait. They grew impatient, they grumbled, they complained, they rejected God, turned their back on him and they even wanted to kill Moses. And because of their impatience, they're forced to wait, not 40 days, but 40 years before they can enter the land of milk and honey, 40 years of wandering, 40 years of uncomfortable wilderness lodging, 40 years of the same meal of manna and quail. day. After day after day. And tragically for many of the people, they miss out on the promised land entirely, all because of their impatience. Dear friends, through the season of Lent, we've been looking at the theme of promised treasures. And in our Wednesday services, we've looked at such treasures as salt and bread light, water, but today on Easter Sunday we come to the greatest promised treasure of all, paradise, God's eternal kingdom, Jerusalem the golden with milk and honey blast. In our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God makes a promise to you, a promise to bring you up out of the furnace of this life and bring you into a good land, the best land, a land flowing with milk and honey and every kind of blessing you could ever imagine, a land of eternal peace and joy. All you have to do is wait. That's the problem, isn't it? the weight, and I wonder how many people come into a service like this and struggle with it because it's supposed to be this day of joy and fanfare and celebration, but deep down you really don't feel it because your life is kind of a miserable mess, and there are things that you just can't ignore. You can't ignore the painful isolation. You can't ignore the missing seat at Easter brunch. You can't ignore the crushing news of cancer. You can't ignore the broken relationships. And you bring all these things in here with you, and you look around, and it's like someone's trying to cheer you up, but it's just not entirely working. You see, it's not that the children of Israel doubted the past of God working for them in the Exodus, it's not that they doubted the future of the Promised Land, it's that it was so hard in the present to wait in the barren wilderness. And for many of you, it's not that you doubt the past of Christ's death and resurrection, it's not that you doubt the future of God's eternal kingdom, it's that it's so hard right now to wait in the barren wilderness. The weight becomes your existence. The weight chokes the life right out of you. It blinds you to any kind of future of peace and joy. And worst of all, the weight can consume you to the point that you give up entirely. You reject God and you miss out on the promised land. How sad it would be to miss out on an eternity of abundant joy, all because we just could not handle the weary weights. And yet, tragically, how many people, like the Israelite fathers before them, end up in this situation, missing out on the promised land because they could not handle the weights? You know, when I was younger and I would give up soda during Lent, I always made caveats for myself. Blessed exceptions. If I was at a birthday party, for example, and they were offering soda along with the pizza, guess who was having some soda that day? more than any other child at that party i could not wait to get my hands on that sweet sugary goodness pour myself a drink and then ah, so great what a blessed reprieve from the wilderness of Lent. i think I can make it a little bit longer, I would say. Well, friends, our God does the same thing for us in our wilderness wait. He gives to us a foretaste of the feast to come. And it all starts with that resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, the one whom Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 is the firstfruits, the one who is the present preview of our glorious future. It's not, alleluia, Christ was risen, he was risen indeed. It's not, alleluia, Christ will be risen, he will be risen indeed. No, alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. This is a present reality for us to partake in right here, right now, today. Today, you can cling to the resurrected Christ. Today, you can hold on to him. He's here right now, even as you await your own glorious resurrection. And Jesus Christ comes to you today, and he gives you a taste of what's to come. He comes to here today, and he he says, here... Take and eat. This is my body, right here, right now, given for you. Eat it. Here. Take and drink. This is my blood for you, right here, right now. Food and drink to sustain you in your wilderness waits, and this eating and drinking, it is far better than manna and quail because this, this is the very food of the promised land breaking into our wilderness. It's the real deal, heaven come down to earth, and you get to taste it today. You get to taste that eternal promised land right here, right now. It feels like cheating. It feels like me when I was growing up taking a drink of soda before the end of Lent. But God gives us this taste right here, right now, today, so that we can say, ah, you know what? I can wait a little bit longer now. And guess what? Next week in worship, God's going to give this eternal food again. Come back. Receive it. Our Lord, He gives us other tastes of the eternal promised land too here on earth. He gives us His blessed word, a word which Psalm 119 declares is sweeter than honey. Eat of this word and let its sweetness sustain you during those bitter days. Our God, He gives us a church. A community of those who embody the resurrected Christ, a community of people who are there to support you when the weight feels to be too much, a community of people who are there to say, No, keep waiting, keep looking to Jesus. Because that weight is hard, especially in the wilderness of this world, that weight is so difficult. And if you cut yourself off from this sweet word, from this blessed meal, from the fellowship of the church, if you cut yourself off from these things, the wait is going to be impossible. You're not going to make it. How tragic it would be to die in despair in this wilderness, unable to make it to the promised land. Don't do that. Don't cut yourself off from these things. Come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come. Come so that you might be refreshed to say, ah, what a nice reprieve. I can make it a little bit longer now. You know, I used to think that there was nothing better than Easter morning Mountain Dew. But this, good as it was, this pales in comparison to what awaits me on that final Easter. As we sing Jerusalem the Golden in a moment, I want you to picture it. I want you to picture God's eternal promised land. What it's gonna look like, what it'll sound like, what it'll feel like, who will be there. I want you to picture it all. And when you have that picture in mind, I want you to try to picture something even better than that. And when you're there, picture something even a little bit better. And once you're there, well, you're still not even going to be close to the beauty of that day. To the beauty of that land, flowing with milk and honey or mound dew and pizza, I don't know what God has in store, but it's going to be glorious, it's going to be well worth the wait, and I want you to picture it as we sing. I also used to think that this whole sacrifice thing, that it was getting me ready for the sacrifice of Good Friday. But you know, really, I think what it was doing was teaching me to wait for Easter. Well, friends, drink up, because Easter is here, and the Easter of all Easters is coming soon. I don't know about you, But I think I can wait just a little bit longer, amen.